0: Back down now. Um, since Tony has made me put titles on my messages, okay, he's made me do it. So made me do something I never really wanted to do. I can't do stuff like that. But I have given. A, I got a title for this message this morning. And uh, guess what? I'm going to be talking about based on the title, "The Lost Art of Witnessing." And uh, I'm going to just talk to you a little bit about witnessing this morning. And first, I want to start out in Joel chapter three. And let's, uh, if you open your Bible to Joel, Joel, how do you say Joel right? Joel. Joel. Come on, how do you say it right? Joel. Joel. Alright, y'all know where Joel is in the Bible. If you don't don't know, this is how you find it. Find Ezekiel, which everybody can find that, unless you're just messed up bad. <laughs> it's in the Old Testament. Then find Daniel, then find Hosea, then there's Joel. That's sort of how you find things in the Bible. You find a major book, because Joel is just a small book in the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets. Um, but I want to read, uh, starting in verse 9, Joel 3, and talk to you a little bit about witnessing this morning. I believe that's something on the heart of the Lord, is witnessing. We good? Everybody make it there. Dean, you're looking in the index of your Bible, trying to find the page number, or so on. That's not good. <laughs> but I'll admit, Joel is sort of hard to find if you're not used to it. Joel chapter three, verse nine. Um, proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Okay. Everybody hear that? Prepare for war. I think we need to really hear that this morning. Okay? This is not just a Bible verse. I believe the Lord's trying to say this. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong, or let the weak say, I'm a warrior. Assemble and come all you nations and gather together all around because your mighty ones go cause your mighty ones to go down there, O Lord. Let the nations be awakened and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat or the valley of judgment. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounded nations. Put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Well, I believe this, okay? I believe we really are in a time of war, spiritually. I believe that's, that's where we're headed. and 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 naturally, you know, the world is at war. Uh, but I believe, in the spiritual sense, this is this is a very pertinent scripture for us. And I believe the Lord wants to ask us a question: Are we ready for war? Are or, or really, really, truly, indeed, are we really ready for war? Um, and I want to just you to know, hold that thought for a minute, uh, for a few minutes, and then I'll come back to this. Uh, but I think one of the uh, things that was interesting when you look at this is it talks about war starting in verse 9 and then in verse 13 it slips into a harvest gear you know so you got war warfare the lord's talking about warfare and then he starts talking about the harvest being ready Uh, so those two kind of go together in, in the spirit realm is warfare and harvest and so i just think that's really interesting that after God calls the nations into war, He's also calling, saying it's a, it's a time for harvest. It's harvest time. Um, so just hang, hang on to all that. But I believe one of the weapons that God wants to equip us with is witnessing. Um, I think that's a weapon that we really need in our hands to be able to wage the war that God's calling us to, is become witnesses. And I, that's why I titled this message, The Lost Art of Witnessing, because I believe in some ways it really is an art to witness um, and I feel that we've lost the in the church. We're losing. We've many of us have lost the ability to witness to people. And I think the church has even lost its ability to witness to itself. And I'm all, that's why I want to just tell you what I believe the Bible says about witnessing. And it's not what you think. Uh, it's not your trivial things. I've witnessed to people, a lot of people in the world, and I've tried different things on them. Um, and I found out some things just don't work on people in the world. So I want to just you know just throw a couple of things out at you this morning. And, but I do want you to you know hold your put a marker in, in Joel so you can come back to it in, in just a moment. And let's look over in John chapter four. And everybody can find John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the fourth chapter of John. It's also the fourth book in the in the New Test uh, the Gospels. This is a great book, John, or a great chapter. This is a great book. The Bible's a great book, isn't it? Amen. I'm nervous for some reason. i got a good reason to be nervous. Um, God's making me nervous in my life right now. But I believe in John 4, and I I feel like the Lord's been really speaking to me out of John 4 for a few weeks now. and uh, There's a lot in there, and I'm not going to go through everything today anyway. But I do want to just sort of jump towards the back part of it. You know, one thing I just want you to throw in your mind is that woman in John 4, I believe, is a type of the church. So, there's a lot more to that. But In John 4, let's read in verse 27. You know, John 4, Jesus meets a woman at the well, starts talking to her, starts prophesying to her. You know, the woman's a disaster. She's dysfunctional in relationships. Had all these men in her life. Married four or five times. Living with a guy. She was a Samaritan, full of religion. Doesn't that sound like the church? <laughs> you know, dysfunctional, looking for lovers, looking for somebody to satisfy the needs in them, not finding it. Very religious, wants to argue about how you worship. All this kind of stuff. We we seem to do so well. Uh, so Jesus did all that, and and at this point it says in verse twenty-seven. His disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, Why, why do you, you know, what do you see? You know, in those days, talking to a woman wasn't really such a good thing to do culturally. Or, Why are you talking with her? The woman uh, then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. All right. Um, Let's just jump over in the meantime because we don't really want to talk about this issue with these disciples. Let's jump down to verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman. Everybody say the word of the woman. Because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Now, here's, here's, this is interesting. The woman, this is what she did. She went, she had this experience with the Lord, okay? And she went and told the people that she knew about her experience with the Lord, okay? Just went and told them, this is what's, what I've heard. This is what God's done in my life. And those people went because of this woman's witness, and went to see this Jesus. Okay? Pretty, pretty simple, isn't it? But notice it was because of this personal experience that she had with her Lord. It's what she went to with these people in her town and talked to them about it. Then it goes on and says, uh, So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him. He stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard of him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So what happened was, first, this woman had an experience with the Lord. Then she goes and tells the people that she knows about her experience with the Lord, these people receive a revelation of Christ. They get saved because of what she said. Then some more people come, and find and come to Christ because of what they've heard, and then they get saved themselves. Because then, so what not only what she did, she led people into a salvation experience, but she also led people into this personal experience with the Lord. And it was, are you following that? It wasn't just that, you know, she went and told them about the Lord, they went and found the Lord themselves. And so, um, and it all began because of what? Because she had an experience with God. That was what her, the whole thing was based on this encounter she had with Jesus that I didn't read about at, at the well when he began to speak into her life and talk to her and she heard him and she encountered him. That was her whole witness was based on that one thing. I'm sure she didn't go back to the men in the town and say, hey, you know, I met this guy and he's saying you can't. In fact, it didn't say it. Well, he's saying you've got to worship over here. She didn't go back and then talk about their issues of how you worship. She went back, hey, I've met this guy, and he has revealed stuff to me that only God would know. He spoke to me. I had an encounter with him. And then she went and told these guys about it and they heard about it like, yeah, let's go. We want to know about this. And they got saved. Are you with me? Okay, let's, uh, let's go over to uh, Acts 4.20. Let's look at this for a second. Acts chapter 4, verse 20. If you don't know where that is, just go over one book in the Bible and you're there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Verse 4, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 20. Uh, let's start at verse 19 just so we can sort of get in on the deal. These guys, Peter and John, were re- arrested. This was after Jesus was was, rose, was risen from the dead after the church started. These guys got out there and started started doing a bunch of stuff and preaching and you know, God was moving, and they, they, the Pharisees arrested him. The Sanhedrin, you know, the ruling religious party there who had a lot of authority in Jerusalem at the time, had these guys arrested, and they were putting it to them, telling them they couldn't, you know, t- preach or talk and use the name of Jesus anymore. And that's what they said in verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. <laughs> that's a pretty tough word, isn't it? For we cannot but speak the things which we have what? Seen and heard. Now that right there is the definition of witnessing. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? The woman at the well heard something. The woman at the well seen, saw something. That's the thing she went to her town and talked about. She didn't talk about theology of worship. She talked about what she saw and heard. That's what these, the disciples were doing. That was their witness. We've seen something. We've heard something from heaven. This is our testimony. This is what we want to say to you. Y'all with me? Okay. A witness testifies to the things he has personally seen and heard. And you watch enough TV, you know, stuff on TV about courtrooms, and you will find that courtrooms. And I've been and sitting in enough real, real courtrooms, which are just most boring place in the world. If you had to ever sit in court all day, wait on somebody that you're there hoping they'll, you know, Lord bless them, I'll be there with you in court. It's awful, but it's so detailed. That's why it's so miserable. All the detail they go through in cases where they have a witness that stands up and, and, and basically the witness in the courtroom is testifying of what he has seen or heard. And it's very exact of what they're looking for in a courtroom. They want to know the exact thing. Not just well, I thought, I've kinda none of that stuff matters in the courtroom. It's really what did you hear? What did you see? That's the way the court works. Now, this is interesting when, when Dean and I went up to hear the debate between Mike Brown and a Jewish rabbi up in New York a few weeks ago, one of the T V reporters that was there at the end of you know, they gave the reporters a chance to ask questions. One of the reporters says, Sound like you guys are just witnessing. That's what they said. And Mike Brown's his response was this Well What else can we do? Basically it was this. What else can we do? We testify to what we have seen and heard to know to be true. You know, she was saying, y'all just out trying to witness to people. Yes, that's exactly what we're doing. We're testifying to what we have seen and what we have heard to be true. And the rabbi said, yeah, that's right. I don't have anything to add to that. I mean, he was was giving the same witness. He was, was sort of messed up because he had seen and heard wrong things. But I thought, man, that is excellent. It's powerful what he just said. It's powerful what he just said. I'm just telling you what I've seen and what I've heard to be true. I'm not trying to you know, dazzle you with theology. I'm not trying to dazzle you with facts. Are you all with me? Yeah. Philemon 1.6. got it up here if you want to look up there. It's a great verse in the Bible. He it says, Paul is praying that the sharing of your faith may become effective. The sharing of your faith, your testimony, your witness, it may become affected by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul is saying whatever God has done in your life, whatever is real in your life spiritually, that is the thing that you share, that's the thing you give. Are you all with me on that? Oh, everybody knows that, right? You don't know this will warp you. This will ruin you. This will mess you up. All right, here's some examples in the Bible. The Bible's full of tremendous examples. All right, one example. You don't have to look these up. Peter in Acts 11. In Acts 10, Peter went flopping over to a a, a, a Gentile's house. At the time, they didn't allow it. and ate with them, preached to them. They got all wild and got... Filled with the Spirit, got saved, got tongues, got baptized in water, and then he got in trouble for it. You know? But what did he say to these people when he actually? He was saying, "Listen, this is why I did what I did. God spoke to me. God showed me something, and I did it because God. Sh- I had an experience on the rooftop of God. He didn't pull out a bunch of stuff in the Old Testament. Well, this is what it says here." No, he said, I had a real experience with God. And because I had this experience, I went to these people. That was his defense. It was good enough. Okay. You know, and then they sort of figured out their theology on it. Some other smarter ones. Same thing with Paul in Acts 22. He was being arrested in Jerusalem in big trouble. They were trying to kill the guy. I mean, so bad that soldiers had to pick him up and carry him to keep the crowd away from him. They were crazy. So Paul gets to speak, and guess what he starts talking about? He starts talking about how God revealed himself to him. He starts talking about this experience he had with God. That's what he talks about to him. And we're talking to Jews who knew the Bible. He starts talking about this experience. I had an experience with God. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And he had the same thing again in Acts 26. He was this time he was standing before King Agrippa, who was like a was like a Herod, another one, and they were bad, you know. And like, why are you? And he was arrested that time. Why? are you arrested? Why are you here, Paul? What crime have you committed? This is my crime. I had an experience with God. That was his defense. God spoke to me. That's why I've done all I've done because God has spoken to me. God has revealed something to me. Y'all with me? Turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. I'm just going to get y'all. Y'all don't know what y'all are. Just suckers, man. I'm telling you, you are. You are falling into a trap. I'm trapping you. I hope you know. I really am. I'm trapping you. But it's a good trap. It's a trap you want to be in. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16. This is great, man. This is another example. My thing is the subtitle above verse 16 in my Bible. is called The Trustworthy Prophetic Word. Okay? For we did not follow... This is Peter talking. Now, this is Peter, old man Peter. This is Peter down the road in life. This is Peter a long ways from when he walked with Jesus on the earth. This is Peter way down the road towards the end of his life. Probably fixing to get hung out to dry. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, we were eyewitnesses. hear that? We were eyewitnesses of His majesty. We were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Now I want you to just think a a minute. The whole Bible is based on somebody's experience with the Lord. Moses, Moses wrote the first five books. How in the world did he know what happened in the Garden of Eden? You know, how, I mean, you ever thought about that? Moses was born way after the Garden of Eden. How, well, he wasn't there in the Garden when God created Adam and Eve. How in the world did he know about all that? How did he know what the serpent said? You ever wondered about stuff like that? Well, thank you, Moses wrote this like he knew what he was talking about. But the crazy thing is, is we believe that he knew what he was talking about. We believe there was a snake that talked. That was really the devil. We believe it. Because a person said, God has spoken to me and showed me this. He told me this is what happened. That's how I know it. You know? Because if nobody was there, the Lord told Job that. Where the heck were you at when I started doing all this stuff? You know, when he was sort of getting after Job for his crazy stuff. So we were eyewitnesses of His Majesty. So we're believing something a fisherman told us that lived 2,000 years ago. We're believing it. We're believing this guy, this fisherman, what he says the truth. And he wrote it down. This is what I saw happen. And we're sitting here today believing everything He said. Like, yeah, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. But I sure believe it because you said it was true and I have this witness in me that says it's true. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to Him from the excellent glory... This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we what? We heard this voice. We heard it. We heard a voice from heaven. We heard God talk. And I'm telling y'all, we heard God talk. And we're believing him. Dang man, are you crazy? <laughs> this is the Mount of Transfiguration experience, by the way, that he's reflecting back to. That's what he's talking about there when he was on the mountain with the Lord, and the Lord was transfigured before, I think, you know, Matthew 17. I think it's actually where it shows up. And we heard the voice. So, when we were with him on the holy mountain, verse 19. So we have a prophetic word confirmed. Somebody prophesied what going to happen, and it's confirmed. Which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, that first no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but by but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? So, Peter had this eyewitness encounter. Paul had an eyewitness encounter. The woman at the well had this encounter. we go out we go to witness somebody we start telling about our little cute doctrines our little theology how we worship God you know they never did any of that in the Bible that's not how they they witnessed their life was based not on words on a piece of paper what they had from God was based on something that God did in their life that's what their witness was you know what the Lord said to me? Your whole life should be a witness. Your whole life should be a witness. In other words, anything you're saying to people about me, anything, I'm not talking about just going and talking to lost people. I'm talking about if you're preaching or you're teaching, it should be a witness. It should be based on something that I've showed you. Something I've done in your life. That's what a real witness is. And that's the truth. You don't think that'll mess up your ministry right quick? You want to get your ministry messed up? Amen. Let God start talking to you about stuff like that. Where he's saying, listen, people don't want to hear they don't need to hear just just theology. People need theology. People need doctrine, that's for sure. I mean, I'm not not discounting those things. But I am saying this is the Holy Spirit came on people, and, and their, the sole purpose of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts 1-8 was to make them witnesses. It wasn't to make them good preachers. It wasn't to make them good whatevers. It was to make them witnesses. That's why God poured the Holy Spirit out on the church. It says in Acts 1:8. Just read it. I mean, you know, I mean, it can't help but say it. There's nothing you can't read anything else into that. That we're supposed to be witnesses. And a witness is somebody who's seen something or heard something, experienced something. That's true. And how much of the preaching and how much of the teaching and how much of the witnesses that go on on the earth is coming from somebody who's not seen or heard or experienced anything? Do you hear what I'm saying? That's why I say there's a lost art to witnessing. And the lost art is we have lost contact with real things that are real to us. And so we give the world, let me give you the four spiritual laws, and set some poor soul down who's desperate. And I've done this. I did it one time, and I felt like a jerk when I got through. As I set them down and went and took them through the four spiritual laws of Rome and how they need to get saved, and this person was starving. They said, I do need God. I just want another meal. That's what I need right now. It a meal I'm hungry. I felt like dirt. Because here I was, Mr. Mr. Theologian. I'm going to tell you what's wrong in your life instead of telling that person, well, I know this to be true about God. This is what God's done in my life. You see what I'm saying? The best witness any of us have is, this is what God's done in my life. This is what God's shown me. This is what God has said to me. And then, once they get to believe in God, you can say, no, and and this is what the Bible says to back up this. I mean, this is what's happening spiritually. But we want to give them some Bible verses and beat them with the Bible Beat them with our theology. Beat them with our style. That is not what they need. They need somebody. Is is anybody, is this God really real? Is this God really alive that you're talking about? Well, yeah, He really is real alive. I can tell you what happened in my life. I'm an eyewitness of the things He's done for me. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? And I think the Lord really wants to mess us up. He wants to mess us up with our life and our theology and all that stuff. He wants us to become real witnesses. Real witnesses. I mean, true witnesses. Now, this is interesting. I sent Mike Brown, poor Mike Brown. He's going to come here on March 20th, 20th, I think. He's great. But I was asking him about how to have an ongoing relationship with a Jewish rabbi to be able to build a relationship with this person. And, and talk to this person about Christ and hopefully with the end result is lead this person to Christ I had this email conversation with him this is one of the things he said to me about about the about Jews about rabbis and about just unbelieving Jews they're not used to dealing with Christians who simply hold to their Christian faith. they're not used to dealing with Christians who simply hold I'm sorry they're more accustomed to dealing with Jewish believers, who want to get into an apologetics battle? That's what, they're, that's what the Jewish people out there are used to. They're used to these messianic Jews wanting to do ap- apologetic battles and fights with arguments with them. Okay? He says this keep your views clear and simple, but firm in the word, and the rabbi will be challenged. And that was his counsel. He says, if you really want to do this, this is what you need to do. I don't need to get in a battle with this guy. Just keep your views clear and simple. Make sure they're in the Word. Make sure it's something that the Word of God is, you can stand on. But be clear and simple. Something God's done in you. I thought that was profound, um, profound insight on how to witness to a Jewish rabbi and have an ongoing relationship with him. Now, told you, I set you up. Does anybody believe what I said to be true of any level yeah. about being a witness? It Really, it needs to come from your personal experience, your life, what God's done in you, what you've seen and heard. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to give you a witness this morning about something. Okay? Are y'all good for that? I'm just going to give you an example of what I just preached about. Um I don't want you to just go around go away from here with just a teaching about witnessing. I want you to go away with something I believe is really real. And I didn't put it on there because it's too chicken to. I didn't want Tony put it on the internet anyway, but I only want to give you a witness of what I feel like God has shown me. And I think it's I'm serious to me, okay? That's why I'm feel real nervous. Um. One thing that I want you to know about the, one of the meanings of the, of the Greek word for witness it, its martus. It's what, M-A-R-T-U-S is one of those spellings of it in the Greek. Um, or martyr, M-A-R-T-U-R. It's where we get our word martyr. Y'all know what a martyr is? Ain't that a nasty thought? Think about it, a, a witness is a martyr. This is one of the things you're going to find out. If you're really going to live from a witnessing perspective, it's going to kill you. It's going to eat, you. it's going to eat your flesh up. Okay? Your flesh feels bad about spiritual things, honestly. Mine does. It hates spiritual things when it really comes right to it. My flesh argues with God over spiritual things. But can you imagine Paul well, we've arrested this guy and the argument is, this is the craziest argument. Paul says this guy's alive and these guys say he's dead. Now, doesn't that sound like a crazy thing? They're having an argument over this guy who had to, you know, the, these guys are on this side, saying, no, he's dead. Paul, he was arrested because he simply said, no, he's alive. Now, that seems crazy. When you, I mean, we don't think it's crazy because we've gotten used to it. if you put yourself in that situation... Can you imagine? Paul said, No, I know this man is alive. He's revealed himself to me. There's a thing the Bible says that causes the foolishness of the message preached. And that's where the martyrdom, if that's a word, comes to play in our life. If we begin to witness to people and tell them the things that are real in our life from God, I'm not talking about your Bible, but the real things in you you are going to feel like a fool many of the times, because spiritual things are foolish to our carnal mind. And I think that's one of the applications of being a martyr, is your flesh is going to have to die as far as its feelings and it's you know trying to override you from doing you know being a witness. Are y'all following that? And trust me, if you're not, one day it's going to happen to you. You're going to feel like an idiot, and rightfully so. Um, Because some things from God are just crazy, honestly. But I had this experience with the Lord. This is how the experience went. I was taking a shower, and I heard the Lord start singing to me a song. And this was the song. Can you hear the mountains tremble? Can you hear the oceans roar? And I thought, no, oh no, I'm not hearing it. That was the first thought that came into my mind. I'm not hearing. it. What are you talking about? You know that song? Can you hear the mountains tremble? Can you hear the oceans roar? What's the rest of it rest out say? When the laws begin to sing of Jesus Christ, the Risen Son, Lord, I'm not hearing it. I'm not hearing the mountains tremble. Yeah, I started crying because I realized I'm not hearing something that God wants me to hear. And I started saying, "Lord, please, please have mercy. I want to hear, Lord, don't don't let me miss what you're saying in the earth right now. Don't let me miss what you want to do in the earth." miss it. Please don't let us miss it, Lord. Please, I beg you, Lord, please, please, you know. Because when he was saying, can you hear it? he had the question mark on the end of it. So, I come to church, and I say, Becky, I think we could do that song. It's a church. I think we could sing that song. And, you know, she may say yes, she may say no. She was in a good mood that day. Yeah, I'll do it. We'll sing it. We'll try it. Um, so we sang the song. And then Becky gets this little concept on know where she got the idea at right in the middle of the song. <coughs> Open them doors and let's sing out to our community. That's cool. That was nice. I like that. Then somebody, I don't know how in the world, next thing I know, everybody's going outside. How in the world we get out here, Lord? It was a joyful experience for me. I mean, it was just enjoyable. I mean, I didn't feel some overwhelming thing from the Lord or anything like that at that moment. Then we came back in. You know, people milled back in. I know some people probably didn't like that. I used to not not like any kind of expression of anything outside the box in church. If somebody would act crazy, I'd just want to go haul off and pop them. That's where I feel. I'm talking about me as a serious Christian. I just didn't like it. So I understand when people are uncomfortable with things that are outside the normal realm. But I've gotten over all that because God has just made me live outside the normal realm that I don't even know what the normal realm is anymore. In fact, the normal realm to me is is like outside the box. But then Marlon said he had this word that all the men should come up front. Well, that may be the Lord. That may be four or five guys that come up front. That's what I thought. I was shocked when most of the men came up front. And we were singing that song at first, Can You Hear the Mountains Tremble? And then I felt inside of me trembling. I felt this, the oceans roaring in me. I felt shook. And then somehow or another, we've got from that song to the battle hymn of the Republic. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Remember that song? You know, that's why the South lost the. Now, think about it for a minute. I, have, this is, I finally out why the North beat the South. This is why they beat them, because the South had Dixie. Can you imagine? They had Dixie, and the North had the battle hymn of the Republic. I mean, we didn't have a chance. <laughs> oh, you know, we were beat right the battle of the bands, the North won. They just slam beat us, and then it was over with after that, because there was just no hope for us. Uh, but this is craziness. Now, I know this sounds crazy, but this is my witness to me. As we were singing that song, I started hearing a Pink Floyd song. Y'all know who Pink Floyd is? I, I was big into Pink Floyd. The Dark Side of the Moon album. I mean, this is 1970s level rock and roll. This was not good music, okay? I do not recommend... I mean, the music was, was good, but I'm just saying the message in that music. And I just want to say this. I've realized something. I was never a musician, but I was hugely influenced by music. Music has a huge influence on us. A huge influence on it. So if you're a musician, use it for God's glory because it's powerful. Those songs powerfully moved me in my life. Okay? But there was a line in this song that suddenly I started hearing. The name of the song was called Run. The guy who wrote the song in Pink Floyd's band, his daddy was killed at the first of World War II in the British Army. So he wrote this song called Run about his daddy's death. One of the lines in the song said this, Forward into the battle and the front line died. So we were singing the Battle of Republic. I was hearing this phrase, forward into the battle and the front line died. And I realized at that moment that this is real serious, what's going on here. This is not, let's have a charismatic experience in church today and get all happy and have this wonderful experience from the Lord and then go home like normal I realized this, ain't, this is not normal what's going on here God is being real serious with us I mean so, so serious I was afraid I was scared literally scared I was shook on the inside like this is serious that's what I kept saying this is real serious this is not something to play with this is not a game God's not playing games with us before, and, when I, and then I felt. Have you ever seen these movies where these guys just get in this big? There's a big fight, and there's this one side, side and other side. There's like soldiers, and they come into each other, like when the war starts. I mean, like in Braveheart. And, all that, and there's this crush, crush sound when they hit each other. This, I mean, it's an awful sound. I felt that going over and over and over forward into the battle in the front line. Died. I thought these guys have volunteered to die. They're going to die. They're going to die. There's a war fixing to happen, and these guys don't know it. They have volunteered to go on the front line. you got to be crazy to get on the front line in a war because you're going to be the first one to shoot, get shot at. Um, then I got a vision of, or remembrance of, the Gone with the Wind. Remember the movie Gone with the Wind? Y'all remember that movie? Well, there was a scene in it right at the beginning of the movie, right? Once they decided they were going to go to war, these were, your you rebel southerners, you idiots. We're going to get them, yeah, we're going to war. And they were all hyped up, excited. We're going to war. We're going to beat those Yankees. That scene kept playing over and over in my mind. And then the next scene was at the end of the movie. It was those same guys coming home, bandages around their head. Their houses were burned. They were defeated. They were gaunt looking. They were starving. They're just, it was, you know, that wonderful matching and going with the wind was a, just a ghost of what it was. They'd been destroyed. They'd been defeated by their enemies. I thought, Lord knows, are we entering into this battle lighthearted? Are we really entering into this battle lighthearted? Are we really hearing what God's saying to us? Because God is being serious. He's being real serious, and then the Lord said to me this: Isaiah sixty-six, verse one and two. And I am not going to make you read it, but the part that really stuck out to me it says talks about this is the people I am going to look on those who tremble at my word. That's what God said. That's the people I am going to look on those who are contrite and who will tremble at my word. And I feel like the Lord was saying, and this is what my witness to you: I am saying the Lord's saying. It's time to tremble. It's time to get serious. Do you hear me? That's my eyewitness. That's what I have heard. I have heard this from God. He's saying it's time to get serious. It's a time to get ready. There is a war coming. Now, What kind of war? Well, I think it's all spiritual myself. That's what I feel. I mean, I don't feel like somebody's going to invade America. I mean, that could happen. I'm not talking about I'm talking about there's a spiritual war that's being launched that God is ready to go on the offensive. He wants to launch a war but He wants to say to His people this is not something you need to play with. This is not, oh, whoopie doopie charismatic, let's have fun at church thing and get blessed. It's not that. And I want to go whoopie doopie, let's get blessed at church. I like that. I'm all for being blessed. But I feel like there's a shift in the spirit, and it's serious. That's the shift I feel. This is really serious. God's not playing. God is dead serious here with us. And I thought, these guys, well, they realized not when they stepped up here, they stepped into something that was serious. And God's going to be real with us. He's really going to be real with us. Now, this is a scripture I've been trying to say to you for a while it's uh, Joel 2.1 let's just go back to that let's read it together I told you to mark your book are y'all with me? Yeah. I told you I set you up man I'm not, this is serious <laughs> that's why now I'm feeling better my nervousness is gone <laughs> well, you know you feel so stupid saying stuff like this because really and truly when you say stuff like this this is it you, are either, you either got God or you don't got God You know what I'm saying? There's no in between. between. There really isn't. Joel 2:1, blow the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. I feel like the Lord's saying that. Sound Sound the alarm! Sound the alarm! Sound the alarm! Sound the alarm! Sound the alarm in the church. It's time, you know, the Lord's saying we're in a different season now. And we really are, I believe, in a season of warfare. It says let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. That's what God wants us to do now. Now you can't make yourself tremble. You can cry out to the Lord though and He'll put a trembling in you. Because when the Lord said, do you feel the mountains tremble? No, I don't feel nothing, Lord. I'm taking a shower. (laughs) I'm not feeling anything. I'm not hearing anything. But when I realized God was speaking to me, I started crying out to Him. And the trembling came. And the soberness and the somberness of being serious started coming on me. Let all the heavens land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. And I've told you I've told you this over and over and over. I know you're probably tired of hearing About this dream I had, about this experience I had with the Lord. When the Lord came into my house, and basically, did this. Said to me, I'm going to visit. I'm going to visit your wife. You go sit out there on the deck. You can't be in here. And I wondered, is he going to take Becky? Will I ever see Becky again? Because suddenly, God was God. And he could do whatever he wanted to. He got real serious in that dream with me. It got real serious. The fear of the Lord got real, real in that dream, and I knew the Lord was saying to me, "I'll come in between every relationship on this earth. I'll step in between husband and wife. I'll do what I want to." Now, if I are you're gonna bow to me, because it was basically this: you go sit out and there's no discussion, you know. And I wasn't discussing in the dream. I was like, "Okay, <laughs> I'm going to the deck. I'm behaving, because I wasn't going to mess with God." And I think God wants to reveal Himself to us like that. I believe God's going to bring a fear in the church that's going to be incredible. A fear of Him. A real fear of Him. And, you know, things that God let, you know, would look the other way. in the, in, in the army, when you're in war, things, you just, you just can't get away with stuff that you used to could. I mean, I, I guess that's what I'm saying. And that was my pitiful attempt last week when I was saying, you know, okay, well, if this is serious. Let's just stick with basic things. Husbands, love your wives. You know, Let's just stick with things the Bible says. Don't exasperate your children. You know, think right things, honest things, pure things that God wants us to be happening in our life. Um, But I'm here to say, the Lord, the Lord's being serious now. That's my witness. He's serious right now. We're in a serious time. Let's don't be foolish. And oh, if I had a bell, I would ring it and say, the alarm's going off. Wake up! Ding a ling a ling a ling, ding a ling a ling a ling. I'm sounding the alarm in this church. I'm sounding the alarm. You hear me? You can believe me or not believe me, but I'm saying, listen, blow the trumpet inside, set off an alarm in the church. I'm doing it for you. That's all I can do. You've got to hear God for yourself. That's my witness. That's what God said to me. is in an uproar right now. It is in an uproar. This really is. When I really step into it, I realize there's chaos going on in this realm because there's there's you know lines are being drawn, you know, armies are lining up. There's an array of spiritual things happening that I don't pretend to understand. But I believe, you know, I just wanted to witness to you, you know, it's time to be serious with the Lord. It's just timing. I don't know when anything's gonna happen or how anything's gonna happen. I don't predict that. I'm just telling you what it's God has shown me. And uh I pray that, you know, all of us would get our own witness, you know, like the people did, you know, in the woman with the well, like they went and said, You know, we don't just believe that because you said it. I want people to say to me, Byron I believe what you say, and I don't believe it just because you said I've heard it myself. Now I've got my own thing going. I've heard God say the same thing to me. However He may say it to you, that's what needs to happen with you. If those people could believe that woman, okay, who goes and meets the guy at a well and says, "Hey, this guy could he be the Christ?" He told me a bunch of stuff. Well, let's go find out. If they could have that kind of heart, could you not have that heart? Well, let's just find out if what Byron is saying is the truth. Let's find out ourselves. Let's get with God and find out, is He really telling me what's right? Now, I want you to take that away with you. You can reject it, or you can say, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I ain't hearing this stuff. I don't know. Some of you may have already heard it. It Maybe more advanced than what I am. But you could go to the Lord yourself and find out something from God. You could cry out to the Lord yourself. Or is this true? Are we in a time of war? Is it a time to prepare? Is this a serious moment in history that we need to be paying attention to? And God will speak to you. You know? He'll show you. It may take months. I mean, this has been going on in my life for, for several months now. All this, this whole thing is being played out inside of me. You know, but once the Lord speaks to you, you're messed up. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Ruin your, you know, your teaching ministry. <laughs> I you're going to ruin everything, Lord. I told him you're ruining me I can't how am I supposed to teach like this because that's what I like to do (laughs) you know how am I supposed to do that you can't teach this stuff amen let's just stand up anybody want to be prayed for Rhonda got some people here to pray for people I think being sober and somber is, is a good thing for the church right now. Um, I think it be a good time to see if we're like the Gone with the Wind movie. We're all, get all ramped up, entering into this battle not ready. Because the real truth is this. If there's a war going on, whether you want to be in or not, you don't have a choice. You know, it's like the old Eagles song used to say, you're a target just by living. You know, you're a target just by living. You're in the war. You're a Christian. You've got a big old target on your back most of the time. <laughs> Amen? Amen? So, Lord, I don't know how to end this, but i just end. Father, if there's anybody here that wants to receive Jesus as their Savior this morning, we just certainly want to bring them into your kingdom. And we just ask them, you know, to receive Jesus we'll pray for you and we'll bless you help you know the only true God the only thing that can really help you and fix you and feel that emptiness inside your heart. So we just invite any lost person to come up for prayer. And if you're a person just seeking the Lord this morning, you maybe don't want to get saved, but you'd be willing for somebody to pray for you that God will speak to you if you'd like to come for prayer. That would be a good thing. And if you are a, a person who's in this room this morning and your heart is lukewarm and you're distracted and you hear God talking, then probably you should respond to the Lord. You probably really should. You should probably just get prayer that you would, you know that God would set you on fire again. And God would show you the things in your life that you need to separate yourself from. Lord, we just pray right now for every person in this room that they would just... Lord, you'd speak to them. I pray we'd all be like those people in that village of Samaria that, hey, we'll go out and see if this is Jesus. We'll go out and find out. Is this you, Jesus? Is this really you? What this woman, what this Byron Wicker is saying? Is that you, God? And they would hear something personally. And Lord, Lord, this is the truth. I Lord, you can tell Byron don't know what he's talking about. That's okay. It'd be good if I didn't know That would be, Lord, whatever you want to say. But I pray that people in this room would have that heart to find out about you and about what you're doing in this earth right now and about how that relates to their personal lives and about what what, what that, how that relates to the world we're living in right now. And I pray every person in this room would find that out. You'd put that hunger in them. You'd put that desire in them, Lord, to find out what's really going on, Lord. And Lord, I pray you would, we would all become witnesses of you, Lord, that we all would have an experience the experiences you've given us, that we can co-tell the world